Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I love the city and I served for 30 years. And so I want to take a little bit of a break and, and, and spend more time with my family. Uh, so I think this is this is the right time for me. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is Rosa Escareño, Commissioner of Chicago's Department of Business Affairs and Consumer Protection. Rosa, thanks for joining us. This is your third time on my show, but this time is a little bit different. Leaving city government after 30 years or so. Say it ain't so. What's going on? Oh, my God. Fran, when you when you uh, make it sound that way, thirty years—it's a long time to be in the city. And uh, oh my God, it's been such an amazing journey for me as a public servant. It's just um, yeah. So I'm I'm leaving. Uh, I you know I have a full heart. I love the city, and I served for thirty years. And so I want to take a little bit of a break and 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 spend more time with my family. Uh, so I think this is this is the right time for me. Everybody always says they want to spend more time with their family, but why are you leaving now of all times, just when the city council has passed a kitchen sink of a pandemic relief package that needs to be implemented? Who's going to do that now? And you have been the glue that has held this whole thing together with so much heart and compassion for the businesses in Chicago that have suffered so very much. Well, Fran, you know, certainly leading an agency, it's never about one person. You know, this entire effort, you're right. I am extremely proud of this Shiba Strong package, helping businesses and workers. But this effort isn't a one-woman show here. I have extreme uh, confidence in the team that I've built here over the past four years. I, I will tell you, I always talk about my team. They are the hardest working public servants, and they are going to see this through. Um, I've worked uh, tirelessly. Their fingerprints are all over this package. I am one person. Um, you know, I, all my years at the city, friend, I've always been a collaborative uh, type of boss, and I work very closely with my team. And look, it's, it, we've worked with chambers of commerce and businesses and legislators across the city. So this is this is something that my team is going to. They're experts at this. They once I'm gone, there there's not going to be a, a beat that will be missed. They are carrying this forward, and they're the experts. They're the pros. I'm just the commissioner, and I you know, <laughs> but no, it's not a one man a woman show. Is my point, and they're highly skilled public servants that are dedicated to the the people's work and they will carry it forward. 
You have been, though, the heart and soul of this, and it's taken a lot out of you. I know that during the pandemic, I think it was after the first or second round of looting, you literally cried openly at a press conference. It showed all that you have brought to this job, all that you care so much about these businesses. Did it wear you down? Did it wear you out? No, you know what, uh, Fran, it's interesting that you bring this up. I was talking to students of the Mayor's Fellows Program uh, yesterday, and, you know, I told them, I think when you come to work for for government and public service is, for me, it's a very personal job. You know, when I came to this country, this city gave my family and I so much. And so when I come to this job, this is about serving the people of Chicago, when the pandemic hit, and I, I get emotional now because I really do believe in that. And I think I built a team that believes in that as well. We serve the people. And so when the pandemic hit and I had been, you know, for the two years prior to that, I've been talking to businesses and, and meeting with business owners and having them on my podcast, talking about how they built their businesses and then to see all their dreams and investments just completely get devastated by the pandemic. It is so personal and, and, it's not wearing. I love my job. I love serving the city, but it, it was so real. This pandemic was so, so tough on so many people. And so thinking about people's lives just being completely devastated is, is, is really um, emotional and it's personal um, because I, because I know the business owners, I know the, their families, I know the individuals that are behind these really sad situations. So no, it was, it did not wear me out. I, I loved and I was happy to, you know, serve during such a difficult time for our city. Uh, and, you know, Fran, I actually had um, was going to leave a year into the new administration. I told the mayor I would stay on for a year. But then the pandemic hit. And when she asked me to stay, um, I said, absolutely, this is a critical time for our city. And I was happy to do it. What was more painful to you, the devastation of the pandemic or the looting? I think the looting just struck us to the core, particularly the second round, that it could happen again. It was almost like, oh, my God. I thought when I woke up that morning, that second round of looting, I thought, oh, they're just replaying the first round. And I couldn't believe that it had happened again. Right. No. And, you know, Fran, it's interesting because it's so foggy now a year later, but you're absolutely right. And so what we were dealing with in inside in government is that, you know, I was getting calls from businesses every day. This is even before the first looting saying, when are we going to open? My business is failing. I'm about I'm out of cash. I need to bring my employees back. And that was like in May, early May. I knew the businesses were already you know, on their last straw and, 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 and holding on for dear life. And then the first looting happened. And we were just like, oh, my God, just when businesses were about to open. And then the second looting happened. And it just really was just so hurtful. It was just so, so hurtful. But, you know, we've come out of it stronger, better. But it was. It was very, very, very tough and very difficult. But I think it is those moments of 
um, that really bring people together. I remember going out um, to the communities, helping stores clean up, going into these devastated places that were completely looted and just holding hands with these were people. These were no longer business owners. They were human beings that were hurt. And so, again, I take it back to this is very personal, but I think as a result of that, we've learned so many great lessons. So when you talk about this massive package that we passed, I think about that, and my team thought about it. What could we do to help businesses, to help workers get back on their feet? And so we spent, you know, the last year, and definitely this year, we we just spend time working with the business community about what can we do to help businesses come back. So I think we came out of it stronger, and and I'm 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 very hopeful for the future of our city. We have seen an exodus from Mayor Lightfoot's cabinet and the mayor's office, unlike any we've ever seen. Why is that? Is she, you know, she is a notoriously demanding boss. Is that the reason? Did that play at all into your decision? You know, uh, Fran, I think what, you know, I know that you're calling it an, an exodus. I would not call that at all. I I think that I've worked for three mayors directly, four total since my career. And I will tell you that transitions and, and, and shift in, in administration, this is not a new concept. This happens under every administration. I think what you're seeing, though, is that many of us, like myself, we were here through this pandemic. We served the people of Chicago. And I think after the pandemic, people are certainly looking to do what uh, happens under normal administrations. I think that, you know, we were all working together to really help the city along. And, and what you're seeing is the natural progression of when an administration proceeds and, and continues. What happened with Mayor Lightfoot's administration is that she was hit with a pandemic, right? And so we all work together to see our city through. And I think people are just now doing what they would normally do, like myself. You know, we've been here 30 years. I think it's the right time. Um, so I see it quite differently. But I mean, we've seen examples of emails where she's abusive to staff. I mean, have you ever seen that? What what has it been like to work for her during this extraordinary time? You know, it's I, I will tell you, my experience with Mayor Lightfoot has been nothing but really a wonderful experience. I I I feel like I can uh, I can call her a friend. Certainly, she's my boss, uh, but she has been nothing but gracious. She has uh, been nothing but a champion for all the causes that we have implemented. I my experience has been nothing but good, and I have nothing but great things to say about this administration. And I will tell you, she is uh, as a woman of color coming into this kind of a role. Um, uh, one of the few mayors across the entire country to be a woman of color. It's been nothing but an honor for me as a woman of color to serve under her leadership. And I think that when you look back at other mayors, I think that, you know, all mayors have to lead cities. And sometimes it's just, you know, it's, it's an important time. And I see her desire to do to do everything we can to be serving our people. So, you know, I, I don't, I've not witnessed what you've described. If anything, I, I've seen a, a strong leader trying to move our city ahead after a very, I mean, a historically devastating time. And I think we're on the right path. And, and I think her leadership is something that is absolutely necessary during this time and that she is really trying to move the city forward at at a very, very critical time in our history. 
Let's talk about your career. You started after high school, I believe, as an administrative assistant in the Office of Budget and Management. Uh, let's talk about when did you come to Chicago and, and what was that like and how did you come to the city of Chicago in terms of government? Yes. So, you know, uh, as a, as a child, I was born in, uh, Zacatecas, Mexico. My mom, my father, my, my father used to work the farms in the United States and he went back to Mexico to visit us and he passed away. My mother had six children. I was eight years old and my father always told her that she needed to do everything she could to get her family ahead. So we arrived in Chicago when I was eight years old in the near west side. And, you know, we relied on public education, park district programs to do gymnastics and softball and, and to really live out the American dream. And I, I am so grateful to the city because it gave my family and it gave me so much. It's built, you know, and, and I get very emotional. And I think this is why public service is so personal to me and the city, the, the, the growth and prosperity of the city. Um, I feel like as a child, as an immigrant child, and my mom with six kids, and all of us have a very fortunate to be in this country and certainly be in the city that embraces um, diversity and a city that really embraces immigrant stories and wants the city to be one of, of many cultures. And so I could not be more proud to have then after high school landed a job in government and only How did to that know happen? who connected you did you were you the nobody no. nobody sent or did somebody no. know somebody no you know no it was my mother saying you need to go downtown and apply for every job downtown and you should be working at city hall that was her dream her dream was for us to be in positions of power and you know as a woman with no education the fact that she had the foresight to say my children should be working downtown to her was like the biggest dream so she encouraged us all to apply at the city of chicago and i remember i applied when i was in high school and i think it took two years for them to call me and so shortly after high school i got the call to come and work at the city of chicago and knowing so nobody. I, knowing nobody nobody Knowing nobody. No, I applied. And I always tell people, apply, 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 apply. Go to the city of Chicago and apply. You will get a call. And so, you know, that's how I've lived my life. And I have to say that somebody at, uh, you know, at the Office of Budget and Management said to me, why are you uh, sitting at the reception desk? Aren't you going to go to school? And I'm like, that actually, it was the mentors that I work with that they actually said, you need to go to college. And I did. And I worked yeah, full time. So you actually and juggled a full-time city career with going to Loyola, getting your bachelor's, and then Northwestern for your master's in communication, which makes you more educated than me at my alma mater. How dare uh, you? <laughs> but you know what, Fran? No, you I are am so impressed. committed. I, I am kidding, of course, but I am impressed that you could hold down a full-time job and go to school too. How? How'd you do that? Well, you know, and I think that that's the immigrant story that isn't often told. We have a, a huge community of individuals that come to this country and work really, really hard. And I think that was one thing that my mother always instilled in my brothers and, my, and sisters and myself. You will need to work hard. And so I think I've never been afraid to work hard. That's why 
this job has never been a nine to five job for me. And I what I felt for a long time, Fran, that I was a certainly a public servant, but also a professional student because I felt like I was always in school or at work. And so to me, working very, very hard for the city that gave so much to me has has been nothing but a pleasure to serve. And uh, yeah, so I did it. And I think it's about hard work, right? And it's about really just reaching for your dreams and being grateful to be in a city and a country that really empowers uh, you know, to you to grow and to live out your dreams. And I feel that after 30 years with the city giving back, it, it, I've fulfilled my life's dream to serve the people of the city. And, and I'm very proud of having worked um, under three uh, mayors. And certainly I, I'm just very proud of how the city continues to progress. You know, and like any major city, of course, we're going to have our, you know, our issues. But no, Chicago is the shining you know, gem of this country, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Did the city I, pay for your education at both of those places? Because it's awfully costly, Loyola and Northwestern. <laughs> you know, I think there is a program, there's a tuition reimbursement program that was in place at the time that, uh, you know, whatever little benefits, but no, I mean, uh, there's very, uh, one of the things that people have to understand is that government uh, is about serving the the, the, the people and we are we have to be very responsible stewards of taxpayer dollars so even when it comes down to tuition reimbursement it's like so minimal but you know what it was fine I was fine to pay out of you know working and paying for my own college I'm still paying for college tuition even today look that's the that's how you get the debt, huh Yes, you still, yeah, I do. And so, you know, I'm paying as I go. It's okay. And you know what? I'm almost done. So, uh, but, but that's, you, you can't let anything stop you. And I always tell young people, come and work for government. You know, we need strong leaders. We need the future of our of our country and our city really depends on these young, young people coming out of college. We need the the young minds to to pave the future for our city. So I'm all about public public service. Let's talk about some of the jobs you've held along the way. You were an assistant director of media affairs at the fire department, deputy commissioner of, of the department you now head. You were a deputy press secretary, a deputy operating officer for the city of Chicago, I believe under Lisa Schrader, and finally commissioner of business affairs and consumer protection. Uh, what a journey and which of the jobs was your favorite? You know, I think they were all pretty amazing. Every, you know, I have to tell you that certainly working directly for mayors gives you a different perspective about public service. And I have been so honored. Uh, I mean, who else gets to say that they directly worked for three mayors? And I am so fortunate to be able to say that. But I will tell you that every job, every job has, you know, if you, if you think about it under Mayor Lightfoot, we, we, we've gone through and surpassed this pandemic, you know, under uh, Mayor Emanuel, I remember being working on NATO and certainly serving so many working under, you know, the, the, the library uh, system um, changes, the health department changes, and just so many different things. And under, you know, the daily administration, I just remember so many amazing projects, Millennium Park. I also remember uh, walking into the mayor's press office and watching as 9-11 was unfolding and how we as a city had to respond. So I will tell you, and I was telling the mayor's fellows uh, yesterday, I'm like, you cannot have as diverse 
experience and unique set of circumstances that you get to work on, um, you know, and, and a city provides you all those different unique opportunities. But I will tell you that I, one of the most memorable parts of my career, I think it's what I call my dog year, which is my, my year at the fire department following the 69 West Washington fire, working under uh, Commissioner Trotter at that time. And, and just the, uh, the, the changes that we have to one year to radically change the, the building, the fire safety code and, and working on, building the, the, you know, our city, making it stronger and safer. That, those are real life and death situations and scenarios. And having had the opportunity to help, uh, you know, improve the quality of life from a life and death perspective, I think it's really humbling to me. Yeah, that was the devastating fire where the doors locked behind uh, people in the stairwells who were trapped. Yeah. That was a horrible, horrible thing. And the yeah. code was changed and so much in the fire department was changed because they blew it in their response as well. So you you were part of implementing that. I was um, part of the team that came in and, and, and tried to make the changes. And I think we did a lot in one year. So I call it my dog year because it felt like seven. <laughs> it did it, did it. Who was the best boss to work for? I mean, what was it like working under Mayor Daly? He gave you a ton of opportunities, but he all also was very insulated, particularly towards the end as the hired truck city hiring and minority contracting scandals mounted and he closed that circle. You know, I have to tell you, every mayor has been an amazing, um, uh, dedicated mayor to the city. And I just, I think they all were all very unique. Uh, they are extremely strong leaders in their own right and have done so much for Chicago. I think, um, you know, 30 years, every Every community I go into, there is something that we have done over the last 30 years under these three mayors that I can actually point to as changes for the positive. And, you know, this city has uh, so much more that is coming in terms of progress, but they were all great and they were all different and they were all the necessary leaders that this city need needed at the right time. And so I think I can't say which was better. I think they were all great and they, uh, they have my greatest respect because these are very difficult jobs. And I think they were all as passionate about serving the city um, that it, I just, I just can't pick. No, they were, they were all amazing. The 2016 Olympic bid started out as a diversion from the scandals, but it morphed into a serious and costly one only to end in such a disaster when Chicago was eliminated in the first round of the Olympic sweepstakes. I remember the crowd gathered in Daly Center Plaza on that day expecting to celebrate a win and it took your breath away that we were eliminated. Do you remember that? Did you work on it at all? Yes, you know, I do remember. I remember, uh, you know, I remember even leading up to it, how we were working about, you know, announcing the, you know, the, the symbol of uh, Chicago, the, the Olympic sort of emblem and the, and all the entire city. There was so much excitement around being a potential candidate for the Olympics. And it was devastating. Of course, like anything, it's, you know, um, it was devastating for our city to not 
uh, you know, be the, the contender. But I think, again, it's all it's not all about, you know, the end goal. The process is so rewarding. Learning about how you build a city, how you market a city, how you continue to, um, you know, show the world what is the value of the city. And I will tell you, I don't think anything was lost. If you look at the tourism numbers, um, you know, just before the pandemic and how much money comes to Chicago as a result of tourism, that it doesn't happen overnight. That is a continuous promotion and, and, and just, Talk, telling the world what an amazing city Chicago is. We benefit from all those things. So yes, was it a sad moment? Absolutely. I remember saying yes. Also, no, wasn't it? no, it was no, embarrassing not at all. to me. I thought, how could we be eliminated in the first round? Even no, absolutely not. I would, I would say no, not embarrassing. I think embarrassing would be to not even take the risk, to not take the chance. And to not show the world what a great city Chicago would be for such an amazing opportunity. But again, I point to how much tourism we've gained over the years and how great our city is considered, you know, the, the top destination for hospitality. And we need to continue to work to make our city the best, most traveled city because we benefit as a result of all that revenue and, and, and making sure our hospitality comes back stronger. So no, not embarrassing. I think embarrassing would be to not take a risk to show people what a great city this is. But let's talk about the pandemic relief package that you're leaving to your successors, whoever they are. Um, by a 25 to 24 vote, Alderman Riley succeeded in blocking that part of this package that invaded Aldermanic turf. It would have ended the requirement for a separate ordinance for every sign over the public way. Mayor Lightfoot has vowed not to give up that fight, but her floor leader says she may have no choice if there's continued resistance. What do you think is going to happen there? You know, uh, well, first we have to focus on, on the how we championed nearly uh, over 150 pages of legislation with 20 deep programs, 20 programs. And so when we talk about one piece of it, to me, it's, it's, it's missing the point about the, the benefit that both workers and businesses are going to gain through this really awesome package. And I just don't want, don't want to lose sight of that. I think that when we fight for things that are going to benefit businesses, it's a worthy argument. It's a worthy fight to say, yes, what we could make business process better, faster, more efficient, because why it's not now when, right? We've coming out of a pandemic, the, the, the focus on trying to get our business community open faster is the goal. Are there conversations that should be had? Absolutely. But we are missing, I think, the point if we don't focus on all the great things that we have done under this package. And look, I think that certainly there should be more conversation, but let's not lose sight of the of the great things that, that were done and that are going to be done. Um, you know, we just, announced $15 minimum wage last week. And this package continues to build upon all the worker protections and all the worker benefits, which I think building up our workforce in Chicago is only going to improve our economy here in Chicago. And we're all going to benefit from that. We want people to know Chicago is a city that embraces the workers. If we can get more people to come here to work, how amazing is that? And I think we, we should not lose the focus. 
the revised midnight curfew on liquor sales. You had to roll it back to midnight. Uh, the businesses weren't happy about that. They want to go back to the original 2 a.m. Do you think that's going to happen? You know, Fran, everything is a compromise, and we understand certainly the concerns of the business community, but let's not forget that communities and residents um, are the ones that made, that were calling out for a change. And so we did this in a, in a very deliberate, uh, you know, we had very deliberate conversations about we need to strike the right balance and we need to listen to the residents and what they want. They were fed up with, you know, nuisance and litter and loitering and noise. And so we had to, uh, I'm all about compromise. I'm all about how do we begin a conversation where somebody walks away with something and somebody walks away with something they don't like, right? So that's where you know you've reached a good uh, compromise. Not everyone's happy, but you know that you try, you listened and you try to satisfy as many people as you could. I really think that we struck the right balance. We landed at midnight and I think everybody wins as a result of it. You did a bunch of things for the restaurants. Uh, you um, you extended the cap on third-party delivery services, the 15% cap, until 180, 180 days after all the pandemic-related restrictions on restaurants are repealed. You authorized delivery and carry-out of cocktails to go. You shaved up to three weeks from the time it takes for new restaurants to get licenses to open in spaces occupied by previously shuttered establishments. You relaxed the restrictions on sidewalk sandwich boards and overhauled uh, licensing and permitting to make it easier for restaurants to open. And yet some of these restaurants are still struggling primarily yeah. with getting the workers to fill the jobs. What can you yeah. do to help them on that? You know, I know that the mayor's team is certainly working um, with, uh, you know, um, having conversations with the state. But I think what we have to do is we have to continue to uh, establish these worker protections. I don't think that's going to, um, you know, workers not coming back isn't going to be a long-term situation. I think that workers are already starting to come back. I, we know that restaurants are actually just in terms of, you know, our numbers and, and, and what the data is indicating. Restaurants are doing better every day. They do better. I think it's really about just continuing to, to push on these pro uh, and positive worker initiatives. We already know that even restaurants are on their own without the minimum wage. Uh, requirement. They're going out of their way on their own to increase salaries so that they can attract more workers. I really think as a city, um, they they know the value of, of bringing back workers. And, you know, Chicago has been locked up for about a year. And so we're ready to go out and, and spend a little bit of money. And I think we just have to continue to demonstrate to the worker community in Chicago that we hear them. We are embracing um, policies that are going to protect them. And the the more we talk about what a great place this is to come back to work, uh, the more we continue to encourage. But certainly, I don't think that's going to last forever. And I agree with you. I think if people have to wait an extra five minutes to get their food, it's okay. We need to be patient. And uh, we see our market coming back. We know that our numbers are getting stronger every day. Um, and we're, we're open. And that's what's, what's really important.
you extended the life of Chicago taxi cabs from seven to 10 years for standard vehicles and from 10 to 15 for fuel efficient taxis. But what is the future of the taxi cab industry, which was reeling before this whole thing happened? Yes. So, you know, uh, a, a large part of our legislative package is about uh, helping out the taxi industry and really providing them a lifeline. They were already, um, you know, they, they are a very, uh, they have a long history and in, in, in we have worked with them. I know that I've worked with them for all four years that I've been commissioned, but even before when I was uh, outside of in, in the mayor's office, we were looking at ways to, to help support them. You know, I think there there is an important uh, you know, automation that has happened and our, our businesses are, are progressing. And so we need to figure out a way to continue to um, modernize the taxi industry. I know that, as you know, we are working through a, uh, a driver uh, a study that we are looking to uh, complete in the next uh, few weeks, a uh, couple months. And we are going to look forward to seeing what is revealed in their studies that we can continue to help this industry. But, but yes, they were suffering. We think that the, the benefits that we've put in this package are definitely going to help them be on the road longer. I believe just by allowing the, the vehicles to stay longer on the road, we saved them $20 million in the first year because it's allowing those vehicles to run without having to be, um, you know, switched out. And so, but I think there's much more that can be done, and we're looking what, forward Well, what do you mean by modernize the cab industry? How? Well, again, we look forward to learning a little bit more about what the study reveals to us in terms of what more is needed. Uh, what you we have put in this uh, Shiba Strong is is the beginning of, of reforms, but the study should inform what else needs to happen, what more modernization can be done, and uh, we'll, we'll see what the study indicates and, and what other directions and policies need to be implemented. So I look forward to Chicago moving forward with even more innovation in this area. And the requirement that Chicago's domestic employees be paid $15 an hour and get written contracts outlining the working conditions and hours, how is that going to be policed? I mean, that's almost impossible. You can't bang on every door. Well, no, but you know what? What we can do and what we have done, uh, this is where partnerships become essential. We, um, you know, we established the Office of Labor Standard uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, Andy Fox, who is the director, um, has focused his efforts, and we have been very intentional about building partnership with a lot of our nonprofits, our labor groups, making sure that we are uh, working with uh, nonprofit agencies that already work very closely with domestic workers to make sure that when we implement this, that we are working with those individuals to not only educate and inform domestic workers about their rights, but also making sure that the employers understand, you know, the, the, the requirements and understand that there are penalties that will be imposed uh, when we get a complaint. And so I will tell you that our Office of Labor Standards, we've done a lot with a lot of these partnerships and and we've been able to train so many uh, employers across the city on everything from fair way uh, fair way of work week minimum wage paid sick leave these policies that we've put in place for the last three and four years have been uh, well communicated and so we look forward to partnerships in order to get compliance Rosa Escarano thank you so much for for all that you've done for the city of Chicago for 30 years job well done take a bow and enjoy some well-deserved time off, although I do think you're gonna surface someplace.
because I know who you are. I know, I know who you are because you're a triathlete. You're all these other things. You're a achiever. Yeah. You're a doer. So you're going to yeah, serve no, me someplace. Thank you, friend. And I have to say, uh, you are, I don't think you see yourself as a public servant, but you, your job and all that you do to keep our residents informed of everything we do in government is unmatched. You are a total professional. I've enjoyed working, you know, with you and enjoyed having you challenge us and push us to be better public servants. So kudos to you for doing the job that you do and for really pushing and asking those tough questions that force us to be better for our people and our city. So you are part of the solution for Chicago. So thank you for all that you do as well. And it's been nothing but a pleasure uh, to serve the people of Chicago. Thank you so much, Fran. And we will see you all next week. One, two, three, Four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.